In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. And as we prepare to just reflect on God's Word this morning, would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we ask at this time that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing unto you. Amen. Well, it's hard to believe that we are already here at Christmas Eve. It's amazing how quickly it has gotten here. But as I was thinking about Christmas this year, one thing to me that I just find frustrating is that the preparations for Christmas are measured in months, while the celebration, the joy of the holiday so often is measured in, in just hours. And in this sense, the, the preparation for Christmas seems to be completely unbalanced with the event or the celebration itself. And so what do, what do we often do to try to, to justify this, to try to bring some equity back into these differences? Well, we, we try to treasure that time. We try to find ways in which we can capture this time and ways in which we might be able to better remember that time. For sure, while preparations might take weeks or months, 
and the celebration hours or days, memories, memories can last years and a lifetime. And as I was thinking about this, to me, and I was reflecting over my entire life, it amazed me how much technology has furthered our ability to capture moments. My mom was a scrapbooker, so that means you can go into a closet in my parents' home and you can see my entire life in pictures. It's hard to believe, but it's now 40 years ago. You can go back, you can see pictures of me at my first Christmas, and what you'll see is there's a little bit of yellow in that picture. It's not super clear, and the, and the colors are rather dull. But then you can move another 10 years forward, and it's a little clear, and now there's video. There's video of me moving. There's no sound, but you can see, like, that's a person there. You move another 10 years forward, and now we have videos where where we can hear sound and, and the pictures are a bit clearer. But think of today. Think of today. We don't even have cameras. We don't even have video cameras anymore because every one of us has one of these that we carry with us. And at a Christmas party, how often do we see multiple people with these maybe up in an angle to get a good picture? We use these to capture the moment of Christmas. And not only that, we can immediately publish it online and show the world. What an amazing thing, how much technology has changed in a lifetime. But so often at these types of parties and get-togethers, I wonder if we spend so much time and energy creating media to remember Christmas that in some ways we actually miss Christmas. Our days might be so, so full of staring at the screens by which we are trying to capture the moment that we forget to focus on the moment that is on the other side of that screen. We might be too interested in capturing a smile than enjoying a smile. Maybe we are more interested in capturing a memory than entering one. I honestly fear sometimes people are, are so interested and they love to look at the pictures and the videos of their memories because that is the only thing they have, pictures and videos. That is what their memory actually is. And the very thing we so often sought to capture has slipped through our fingers. The thing we wanted to hold on forever never made it here or here. In trying to capture treasure, we sometimes lose it. And so this morning, I want to focus on how do we keep treasure? How do we not only capture memories, but how do we, how do we shape them into our minds, and how do we use, allow those memories to refine our hearts? How does the Christmas story become more than just another picture or two in the photo album of our lives? But how does it become a story which transforms us and transforms our hearts and minds? And these are the kind of questions I wish to pursue in Mary's response to the first Christmas. As we read in verse 19, it tells us, but Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. 
But I want to ask, what did Mary treasure, right? Luke tells us she pondered these, she treasured these things. What are the things that she treasured? For us this morning, the Christmas story is probably very much a known story. Whether you spend every Sunday gathered at a church or whether you spend almost all of your Sundays at home or at work, in our culture, it is highly unlikely that you are unaware of the Christmas story. It has probably been told to us many, many times. We can walk around and we can see it displayed on many houses or in, in front yards. Um, we can go to movies and see it displayed. There's classics that, that share with us the Christmas story, maybe even the meaning of the Christmas story. And for some of us, we might have even been in a, a cantata or a drama. We don't lack information concerning this story. And so knowing that, what what should Mary have treasured? If we were Mary or if we were Joseph on that first Christmas morn, what would we have captured? What would, what would the, the pictures and the, and the story that we captured and shared with the world, what would we have captured? You know, I could think you'd probably go through my phone and there would probably be a hundred pictures, but the best five... I would have shared with the world. Within those pictures, there probably would have been multiple pictures of me holding the newborn baby like, like I have with, with my children with a big smile on my face. But if it was the first Christmas story, I might have posted a picture with, with them in, in the manger saying all the beds were full. Isn't that crazy? With like a little laughing emoji or something looking for people to, to give good thumbs up, Right? Or maybe I would have had a picture of the, these homeless men who somehow heard about my kid and thought it was worthy to come run over and celebrate with me and be like, what is this? Can you believe this? These are the types of things I so often try to capture in my life, and it's the things that we are so often capturing. We are capturing moments to remember and boy, is our technology fantastic, in fact. In fact, our cameras and our recorders, they have become so good at capturing moments that they are better than our eye today. We have limited attention spans, which is why if you have one today, you can go online and see the things that you might have missed. We have a limited field of vision, which means I can only look at a few of you at a time, but a camera can capture all of you in one moment. Even our eyes have limited um, light spectrum range, but our cameras can capture more and it can blend them together to make a, a crisper and a fuller picture than what we ever see out in the world. And if that is what we are afraid of missing in Christmas, then looking at it through the lens of technology makes all the sense in the world. But why then does a picture never quite seem to capture reality? What's missing from those pictures? Well, the answer is, is exactly what Mary treasured and pondered in her heart. 
But before turning to that answer, I, I wanted to share some of my own struggle personally of trying to, to have a deficiency in depictions. One of my lifelong hobbies from being a little kid is I, I love to draw. And sometimes when I, when I struggle to express or, or try to understand something, I will, just, I will sit down and I will draw for a long time. So it's a way of just expressing and understanding things. And that is why over the years I have drawn many, get, many pictures and I have given them to friends and family as gifts. But over the years, only one time have I dared try to draw something real, to draw people to draw a picture that I myself was a part of. Because for years, my wife Jackie had asked me to draw a picture of our wedding day. And finally, I was foolish enough to attempt it. And I can tell you, it turned out good, except for about one square inch, right where our smiling faces exist. I had completed the entire picture months before that area. That had so many erasers marks in there. And, and I can tell you without question that mathematically, that square inch is the most precise point in that picture. I had grids. I did mathematic ratios. Every line, every shade, everything is exactly how it should be. And yet, when you look at that picture, most people can immediately point out and say, something's not quite right there. Unfortunately, my wife realized it, and to my great frustration, I know it immensely. What is missing in that picture is not the moment. The moment is correct. What's missing from that is the message. The human face, it possesses 43 muscles which are consistently and constantly working together to communicate the most complex messages imaginable. You see, there can be more information communicated through the subtle movement of a face than all of my flailing arms and even sometimes the words which I speak and shout communicate. It is the face of people which is so often possesses the profound mystery and the wondrous identity at the same time. Faces are the spring from which messages are constantly being transmitted. And my drawing perfectly captured the smile in that moment, but it somehow failed to communicate the message. The message in that moment of love, of joy, affection, celebration, commitment, sorrow, and excitement, all those various messages that were somehow confounded and, and mixed together on that face, somehow that never quite translated. You see, what we truly treasure are the messages which are communicated at Christmas. We don't spend months trying to to plan and create the perfect moment, we are trying to send to the people we love and care about the perfect message. Christmas, Christmas is all about the message, not the moment. There are messages in the gifts we give which a camera cannot capture. 
There is a message in the grateful smile of a gift well-received that our video camera will never quite contain. There is a message in the smiles and the hugs and the kisses and the kids' excitement, fit pump because they got exactly what they wanted, that goes beyond the moment. Messages are far greater than moments. And unfortunately, our technology has not been designed to capture the former. Mary isn't treasuring the moment as great as it is. It is so hard to think of a moment better than a birth of a child. Mary is treasuring the message which has been expressed in this story. And that becomes evident with the beginning of verse 19, which starts with the very important word, but. Exactly. (laughs) He's paying attention. (laughs) You see, the previous verse, verse 18, it tells us about how the town responds to the shepherd's message. The town, they were amazed at what the shepherd said to him. And then verse 19, but a comparison with the others, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. She is, she is treasuring the message that the town was excited about. That's what she's treasuring and pondering up. It's the message which the shepherds shared with the town that Mary is treasuring. It's the message that the shepherds had received from the angels and went forth to share with Bethlehem. Do not be afraid. I give you great news. I give you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign. You will see a babe wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to all on whom his favor rests. That is the message which transcends the moment, and that is the message each and every one of us has been called to treasure this Christmas. It's the message each of us has been called to ponder in our hearts. We need time. And we need to spend time to let that message, to let those words delve and develop in our hearts. That in this child, Jesus, born over 2,000 years ago, we, with the world, received a Savior who is King and Lord of all. These are the words that should become the focus of our mind this Christmas. And these are the words that we are called to let be resident in our heart. Jesus is our Savior, our Christ, and our Lord. And if these words are hollow to us, if they feel empty then I propose maybe we are just settling for moments and not the message. For as we escape the moment of Christmas, we come to realize that every gift in the end is a message. 
Every gift that we give and receive is, is the result of time, of energy, and of thought. We sacrifice these things every time we give a gift. But more, more than that, we know that every gift comes with a cost. And so when we look at the Christmas story and when we looked at the gift of Christ, we have to remember this, this gift is the product of God's time, of God's energy, and of God's thought. And when we read through the Old Testament, when we read through the thousand years of history, we realize just how much thought, time, and energy God put into this gift. But of course, we also know that Christmas comes at a cost. And that cost is the highest imaginable because in the gift of Christmas, God gives his very self. God takes that which is most, most precious to him, that which he loves and has treasured most throughout eternity. He parts with himself. He parts with his eternal son. God gives the most, the most um, precious gift that is unimaginable to any of us. And he gives it to a world he knows which will reject it which will try to ruin it and ultimately seek to destroy it. God's very heart is displayed in the Christmas gift and it will be trampled. Sometimes we might confess we have aided in this. And yet it's still offered. What would we do in such circumstances? I remember I was once asked to sell one of my prized drawings. I laughed at the man. <laughs> it is not for sale. You might as well ask me to sell my soul, sell my wife, or sell my child. No, this is mine, and it will stay with me forever. What would I have done if I knew the moment I gave my drawing to my wife, Jackie, she would look at it and say, no, I don't like this at all, and toss it out. I know what I would do. I would have never driven it. I would have never drawn it. I would have never parted with it. I would have never put the time, the energy, and the thought into it if I knew it would immediately be disregarded. And yet we see here that God does that for a world that will do the same thing, right? Here we see God at Christmas having to face similar circumstances. He is going to offer his most precious gift. He is going to give of himself in a more profound way than any of us can even imagine. He is going to give his son Jesus knowing that he is going to be rejected, that he is going to be shamed, and that he is ultimately going to die on the cross. And if we zoom out from the moment of Christmas... As we move beyond the manger, and as we move beyond that home, as we move beyond the city of Bethlehem and even the town of Judea, beyond the world, as we zoom out further and further, we eventually come to see the face of the Father as he reaches down with offering his Son. And what we see in the face of the Father is all 46 Muscles displaying the most profound message ever told. You are loved. You are so loved that I give you this. 
This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son that we might live through him. It is the message of Christmas. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the message of the cross. How can we not treasure this message? How can we not hear it and try to think of it often? How can we not let it forever ponder in our hearts and shape our minds? Why why would we ever settle for a moment when we can claim this message as our own? How would we ever change the story to anything less? Why would we ever choose it so often in the history of Christmases? Let's not do that this Christmas. Let us not remember Christmas through our technology, our videos and our phones, but let us use the oldest and the most precious resources that God has given us, our hearts and our minds. Let us this Christmas commit to treasuring the messages which are being communicated in the many memorable moments. Can we focus less on the gifts which are the sign of love and focus more on the faces which are giving the love. And perhaps this Christmas we can focus less on the manger, which is the sign of God's love, and spend more time meditating and reflecting on the face of God, which communicates the most profound and amazing message of all. You are loved. Let us treasure these things. Let us treasure these messages and ponder them in our heart today, tomorrow, and every day throughout eternity. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for the, Christ, the Christmas message. We thank you for the gift of your Son. And while we sometimes confess we do not Treasure it as we ought. We pray by your spirit that it would dwell in us in so richly in such a powerful way that we would treasure Christ. That the message of Christmas and the message of cross would dwell in us richly. Help us to look to you, to your great and glorious face this Christmas. Amen.